Welcome back to the Wise Man's Page, the daily podcast where we read Patrick Rothfuss's Wise Man's Fear page by page. This is page 330. Chapter 46, Interlude, A Bit of Fiddle. Quoth came slowly to his feet and gave a quick stretch. Let's pause there for now, he said. I expect we'll see more than the usual number of people for lunch today. I need to check on the soup and get a few things ready. He nodded to Chronicler. You might want to do the same. Chronicler remained seated. Wait a minute, he said. This was your trial in Imra? He looked down at the page, dismayed. That's it? That's it, Quoth said. Not much to it, really. But that's the first story I ever heard about you when I came to the university, Chronicler protested. How you learned Tema in a day. How you spoke your entire defense in verse and they applauded afterwards. How you... A lot of nonsense, I expect, Quoth said dismissively as he walked back to the bar. You've got the bones of it. Chronicler looked down at the page. You seem to be giving it pretty short shrift. If you're desperate for the full account, you can find it elsewhere, Quoth said. Dozens of people saw the trial. There are already two full written accounts. I see no need to add a third. Chronicler was taken aback. You've already spoken to a historian about this? Quoth chuckled deep in his throat. You sound like a jilted lover. He began to bring out stacks of bowls and plates from beneath the bar. Rest assured, you're the first to get my story. You said there were written accounts, Chronicler said. Then his eyes widened. Are you telling me you've written a memoir? There was a strange note in the scribe's voice. Something almost like hunger. That's the page. I'm Jeremy. I'm Jordana. And... I guess uh, that's it. Is, yeah, was Nick's still not it. here. <laughs> I was he, waiting he, for the, and I'm Nick, but I just realized he's not here. Owned. <laughs> I've been owned by the ghost of Nick. <laughs> that's right. The ghost of Nick's past, present, and yet to come. Also, I just want to make what I feel like is a very important note on this page is that we're in the frame narrative, but the whole time this page, he has been referred to as Quoth, not Coat. He's doing innkeeper-y things. He's taking out the plates and he's getting soup ready and stuff. But he is Quoth. Well, maybe the longer he spends immersed in his own story, the more his Quoth identity starts to reassert itself and the longer it takes for him to start to sink back into being Quoth. Maybe. Maybe. I think that this page is very funny, especially because we talked on the previous page about how it's kind of weird that this seemingly like this important scene that seems like it would be really rife for drama and really like fun to read is glossed over. And then Chronicler says that exact thing is like, what? wait a minute. Like that's all, that's all we're getting about the trial in Imra. Yes. And actually considering this, I want to walk something back from the other day because the other day I don't remember if it was your idea or my idea, but we talked about how uh, a, a lesser edited version would have more details about the courtroom. And I think that in fact, with with this in mind, that must be incorrect because there's a reason Quoth is not talking about this. There's like because Chronicler has now mentioned that it's weird that he he didn't give more detail. Like there's definitely a reason Quoth is not talking about this. Isn't it possible that Rothfuss wrote out a longer version, decided it could be truncated, and then decided to include some commentary on that in the interlude? I suppose, but it's much less crackpotted of a theory, and I mm. dislike that. <laughs> I see, I see. Because I think that all the reasons that Quoth gives Chronicler for why he's not bothering are valid. 
if we take it as true that Quoth did get put on trial in Imra, well, then there's going to be a transcript of the trial, right? They entered all these speeches and documents into evidence. So Chronicler can go to like the Imra, you know, court archives and say, hey, can I see the records from the time that Quoth was put on trial? And they'll show him. Yeah, that's true. You know? The idea that he spoke something in verse, though, sounds pretty fancy. And also like a very Quoth-like thing to do. It does like that's an interesting thing because I genuinely can't tell if Quoth did do that or if it is something that someone made up about him. If he did do that, that seems like the sort of thing he would totally brag about doing. So it's weird that he doesn't hear. But he is trying to get Chronicler to not be interested in it, right? So maybe he's playing it down because he doesn't want Chronicler to keep bugging him about it. Mm. I don't believe that this is true, but I suppose that we can't discount the possibility that Quoth is actually hiding something right now, that something happened at this trial that he does not want to talk about. It's too bad Nick is not here today because I feel like he would definitely have a crackpot theory about this. And out there somewhere is a listener screaming at their sound device, yelling about their crackpot theory. So... To you who is screaming at your sound device, please write in your crackpot theory about this. <laughs> they can shove that crackpot theory right into the waiting, eager, moistened gullet of Mr. Oh, why? Why did you have to say it like that? <laughs> because I knew it would upset you. <laughs> but here's the thing. If Quoth was trying to hide something about his trial, he would be thwarted by the very fact that the like there he says there's lots of witnesses who were there who can corroborate the same account so if he was trying to hide something about it like he can't because there's lots of eyewitnesses that chronicler could go to and records he could consult he's one there's one thing he can hide about it that nobody else will know which is how he feels about it exactly exactly mm-hmm. <laughs> you see jordana we're not so different you and i <laughs> that's the most crackpotted thing i have on this page I think I also think it's really funny the way Quoth is like messing with him. Oh yes, where right. Chronicler's like, you already spoke to another historian about this. How dare you? And Quoth's like, you're talking like I just like banged your girlfriend or something. I I feel like he he's talking like he is Chronicler's girlfriend, and they then went and slept with another person who another Chronicler. Around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. But then also there's this interesting note that I'm sure we'll talk about tomorrow more tomorrow. Where Chronicler's like, wait a minute, you mean you've already written your memoir? Like, you've already written some of this down? And, like, how much better would it be to get the completely unfiltered, from the pen of Quoth himself account? Yeah, I... If he did write something, and I do not necessarily doubt that he did... I do not think he would share it with Chronicler. I think it would be more like a like a diary sort of thing, like, just for him... Well, we already know. I mean, maybe we don't know yet, but we like we as the th- you, me, and Nick already know that Quoth has started and failed several times to write his memoirs. Yes, but like I, I don't know that those memoirs were necessarily for publication. No, but like, I think we're about to find out. Chronicler asks, "You've written a memoir?" Quoth is probably. I mean, I don't remember, but I'm predicting that Quoth is on the next week. Going to say, "No, not really," and then he's going to leave, and Bast is going to say. Don't bring that up. He did try. It made him really sad. He threw them all out. Stop asking about that. Oh, yeah. Bast is going to get all protective on on Chronicler, probably. That's right. Yeah. That's right. That's a very Basty thing to do. He's like a, like a loyal puppy who's also vicious. That's right. 
the the title of this chapter definitely sounds to me like a bit of like ridiculous cockney jargon from a really badly written melodrama like hello cuff would you care for a bit of fiddle then yeah, it's like a euphemism <laughs> for like getting a hand job in an alley or something i assumed that there would be some fiddle playing in this chapter somewhere based on that which makes me feel like we should bring Bridget, our fiddling friend, back. But I you sure it's not just a bit of a bit of rumpy pumpy, eh? <laughs> I'm making up words now. <laughs> I am not. That is like it's made like up old words timey. That may or may not be made up. What is shrift, and is it a made up word or is it real? No, shrift is definitely a real word. It's like archaic, but I just haven't come across. How it as dare all. you? Or if I did, I just don't remember it. All right, so shrift is a noun meaning confession, especially to a priest. So go to, like, go to shrift. So the expression to give short shrift means... Give a short confession. Yeah, and, like, I think to, like, give a half-assed confession because you don't really want to talk about it. You're just like, yeah, yeah, I, I did some bad stuff. Let's get on, let's, let's forget about it. <laughs> Holy Father, I sinned. Please forgive me now. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> That's how I imagine confession goes, right? I've never been been to one, but I think that's how it works. Look, all I know from the movies is that you say, forgive me, Father, for I have sinned, and it's been this many days since my last confession. Oh, really? You have to tell them how many days it's been since your last confession? I didn't know that. Yeah. Have you, like, literally never seen a movie where someone I mean, goes to confession? I just, like, I, okay, m- most of the time, I feel like when I see people sitting in those, like, confession boxes with the screen between them and the and the... And the priest or person it's normally a horror movie so they never get to the normal end bit it's always like they get murdered by the person on the other side who turned out they weren't the priest or like the monster comes and they don't finish whatever they were talking about and it's always like a mystery as to what they were confessing like i feel like that's the only time i've ever really seen those in movies okay i mean (laughs) that is i would say most of the movies that i watch where someone gives confession are also in the genre of like action or horror and you don't necessarily see the end of the confession but the first thing you say to the priest is forgive me father for i have sinned yes i know that part but i just didn't know that you have to tell them like the number of days thing that's the next thing you say okay well i guess one line before the priest says anything (laughs) whoops And then the last thing that happens is the priest says, okay, you're, you're forgiven. Here's your penance. And then they make you say, you know, 10 Our Fathers and 10 Hail Marys and, you know, do this many things on the rosary beads. Oh, okay. I was going to say, does that mean they just have to say Our Father 10 times? No, it's, I think it's like the Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. It's that one. It's like a prayer. Okay. So they have to do a certain number of prayers multiple times. Yeah. You don't just get absolved. You have to do your penance for your sins. Now, I know we have at least one reader who, like, went to Catholic school, and they're going to tell me all the things I got wrong. Yeah, they can, they can tell us all about the The same person who wrote in to tell us about Ash Wednesday, was it? Yeah, yeah. Please write please in and write tell in us again. <laughs> all the nuances we're missing about the fascinating ritual of confession. Yes. Uh, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Like, I'm not a religious person, but if I was, I'd be a Catholic, because they have all this amazing, like, pageantry. They have, like, the beautiful Gothic churches. They have the stained glass the chanting in a dead language, the like swinging the incest around. There's like, you eat the flesh and drink the, the blood of oh, the no. savior. If you've ever had one of those crackers, they are terrible. I went to church once and had, and they, they made me walk up to the front because I guess they thought I was like part of their group or something. I was like, I had to sleep over at my cousin's house and she's like, come to church with us in the morning. And so I did. And then they gave me one of the crackers and it stuck to the roof of my mouth for like 
two hours. I could not get that thing off the roof of my mouth. I was the most miserable child. <laughs> now, again, I'm not a Catholic, but I think you're supposed to wash it down with the communion wine. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure you're not supposed to actually drink the wine, especially if you're a kid. Anyway, the one time I went to a Catholic surface where they were offering the sacraments, uh, I couldn't take them because I'm not a Catholic. I was never baptized. I mean, I shouldn't have been taking them. I don't know why I was sent up there. I'm not Catholic. I'm not anything. <laughs> You're, Jordana, I'm sorry to tell you, but you are going to double hell. You know what? I already listened to heavy metal. You and Nick are clearly coming with me because we all worship the devil a lot more than we worship anything else. <laughs> Look, hell's where all the cool people end up anyway. Well, there you go. Uh, I'll be there with my friends. <laughs> your friends are cool people? I must not know them. We'll see you tomorrow for another Page of the Wind.